Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. I consistently see people growing and fervently loving God, and I also see people that are very complacent and just existing because they serve God in an outward way, and they're committed because of fear, but they're not committed because of love and because of truth. And the important thing is focus. I've noticed that professional photographers that are taking pictures of marriages or landscaping, they do not and cannot take one picture for all summer. Every single picture they take, they have to refocus on the subject that they are taking a picture. And so I want you to understand that a Christian constantly has to be refocused. I heard a story, and I believe it's a true story, from somebody that said, listen, I want you, they said this to a couple, I want you to come in my bedroom, I have something to show you. They get in the bedroom, and this woman had organs in a bottle that she had taken out through an operation. She was focused on the organs. Uh, that wasn't exactly a very good focus. You know, if you're focused on that that is dying, you'll never enjoy living. Somebody said to me, uh, what should I do with my heart murmur? And I said, Philippians 2.14, do all things without murmurings. Uh, and... Uh, There was no smile. There was no response to that at all. They didn't feel that that was very bright. But it was the only scriptural answer, seeing I have no medical ability that I could express at that time. Well, I want you to see this morning that we have given David's background on several occasions. It's a 2 Samuel 12 background. And uh, as we consider it, he's gone through a year of tremendous guilt. But he has not repented. And the reason that he did this is because he lost his focus. His focus had been on Bathsheba, the pregnancy, how to get ready of Uriah, and that had been his focus. And then after that was done, he was focused with overwhelming guilt, and he covered it up. And lived in self-denial. He was not focused. The word of God says that Paul was called from his mother's womb. And Jesus Christ was revealed in him. In Galatians 1.16. Not just to him, but in him. Paul said in Colossians 1. Starting at 13, he said, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of God's dear Son? He said, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, who is the firstborn of every creature. And it was by him that all things were created in heaven, on the earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. 
And they were created by him and they were created for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And not only that, he is the head of the body of Christ in Colossians 1.18a. Now, as I was meditating upon Colossians 1 and Galatians 1, I was overwhelmed with a proper focus. Because we have the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the brightness of his glory, who is the image of his person. And the word of God says in Hebrews 1.3, he upholdeth all things by the word of his power. And when he has purged us from our sins, he set himself at the right hand of God the Father. And with that understanding that he delivered us from the power of darkness, and that includes everything involved in darkness, and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, and when we understand that he's the image of the invisible God the Father, and the firstborn of every creature, and for by him all things consist, in heaven and on earth, no matter what they are, thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, and, and when we understand that, and they're for him and by him, and he's before all things, and everything consists by him, that gives me every realistic reason in the world to be focused. Now, I have to be aware of the things going on in the world. And I live in awareness. Taxes, traffic, and relationships. And we must be aware of everything. But so often, we enter into distractions. And we not only enter into distractions, but we we shift aside and are consumed by certain things. All because we have the wrong focus. I asked a person once, how are you feeling? And I found out in 25 minutes exactly how they felt. They told me every single detail that they could remember, which was everything. I'll never ask that person that again. And they happen to be here this morning. Now, they were focused on every doctor every year, everything they'd ever been through, up until their present condition. And they were consumed by their health because they were not properly focused. And how born-again believers so consistently get into the wrong focus and never understand how to repent from that surface relationship with God. And for that reason, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, with a little preposition, away from, and a verb, unto, when it says, seeing we have so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every single weight, and sin that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus Christ, who endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. And consider him, lest you faint and get weary. Consider him, who was denied and 
always ended into, the Greek says, contradiction of sentence. And so that verse tells me very beautifully that I have to be aware of many personal responsibilities. And I do. And so do you. My car breaks down, it needs to be fixed. Or junked. <laughs> Depending how old it is and how much you have to do. You always have the people that want a new car when they could fix the old one for $200. So they go back to the 36-month payments. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> but, but as we consider that we are to look away from the things that distract us and be focused and not consumed with things until they penetrate into our subconscious mind to lodge in the recesses and resources of our memory. And when we do not experience the proper focus, it is our right emotion that controls our soul. And if you remember, the right emotion is the temporal value system and the emotion that deals with sight and feelings. And the left emotion is relating to spirituality in Jesus Christ and the eternal value system. And if you really want to be activated in that right emotion, just be focused on something other than Jesus Christ. And it's so crucial because when we are properly focused, this is what takes place. The Spirit of the Lord takes over. And a message we preached overseas in Second Corinthians 3.16. When we turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The flesh that did the focusing upon the wrong thing. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we all. Behold is in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. And we all, with an open face in the transparency of the finished work, behold the glory of the Lord. And we are changed into his same image, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And that means, as I look away from the things that would distract me, and consume me while I'm aware of my personal responsibilities and I begin to focus on the image of the invisible God on the one who created all things in heaven and earth and by him all things consist and he is before all things and he's above thrones and dominions and principalities and powers and furthermore he's the head of the body of the, of the church of Jesus Christ and so as I focus upon him and through the Word of God, and I begin to look into the Word of God that reflects His glory or His attributes or His nature. And that's all I'm doing. And then repentance takes place because the Word of God says we are changed into His same image. Now this morning we're going to continue the studies in, in academic detail. And we want you to follow it very carefully. We're calling your attention to it because I've seen a lot of Christians that just don't get the point, see, that we have national demons. We have national demons, family demons, 
ethnic demons, cultural demons, social demons, commercial demons, physical demons that try to make the body sick, emotional demons that try to produce a person into all these phobias and sociopathic conditions. So we have all of these demons who do everything they can to distract us from being focused so that we're occupied consistently with trying to be well. It's not of God. It's a person that is not focused. Because David was not properly focused, he would not repent. But now, after Nathan beautifully does his thing, and David begins to realize that his sin was extremely costly. The death of the first child with Bathsheba, the terrible year he went through with being a victim of sickness in his body and could not speak. And so it is. Because he'd been focused on the wrong thing. And I was thinking of something the other day. It's not isolation from the world. It's not saturation with the world. But it's penetration of God's life for the world. And when Jesus Christ said, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Don't you ever forget that. Matthew 10.16. What did he mean? You will never, if you know anything about sheep, you will never find sheep and wolves together. And yet he says, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. So when we go and witness in some of these so-called arrogant areas, they're wolves. But I'll tell you something else. Their culture has been fashioned in the analogy and metaphor of a wolf. And that isn't all. There's a lot of sheep inside of wolves. You'll have to think that one through. If you thought it through, it would have been very humorous, but I'll give you another day for that. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your tax-deductible donation at www.graceandpublic.com. Thank you. Thank you, God. We just um, can pray that you, you bless this word as it comes forth. And I just, I pray and we're all gathered here together and we're, we're here to learn about you and to know you. And, and um, no matter what we've prepared or thought about or studied, we just, we just really ask you to usher your presence in now, God. 
that the words that are spoken would not be just words from a person, but they would really be somehow supernaturally, they'd be words from heaven, God, as we fellowship together and as we go to approach your word. So thank you. Thank you for eternal words, God. And bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in Exodus 2, Exodus 2.12, now this is Moses, um, I'll start in 11, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, and he went out unto his brethren, and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of, it, one of his brethren, and he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, this is an interesting passage now. We know that Moses at this point, he's not, he's not operating correctly. This comes back and it turns to be a, an event in his life that shame, he's ashamed of, that he's, he's afraid, that he's been found out um, and it sends him on a journey into the desert for 40 years. Um, but it's amazing how the passage starts out. We can look at it and see that, that Moses, though well-intentioned and sincere, and he saw the burdens of Israel. Israel was in bondage. I mean, there were amazing needs. People were unbelievable hardship was being placed upon people that he loved. And he saw these things. And he saw the need for a Redeemer. And he saw the blessing of his position. And he, he, and it's, it's an interesting thing. It's, and the thing that caught my eye was he looked this way and he looked that way. He reasoned in his mind. He said, okay, there are tremendous needs. Look, here's an opportunity. For me to make good. Okay, I can't help all these people, but I'm going to help this one guy. And it's an opportunity for me. Is anybody watching? I'm going to look this way. I'm going to look that way. And I'm going to do it. And see what happens. And I, It's not even thought out like really far. Because then when it happens, he's like, okay, now we got this dead Egyptian <laughs> here and the Hebrew guy who was my brother, my brethren, has run away and we got a dead Egyptian. So so what do I do? Well, I'll hide him in the sand. So he's hidden, hidden in the sand and now, now Moses is, okay, that's been done, but same problems, same burdens, same brethren out there. But now he's got, now he's, he's looking this way and that way all the time <laughs> and when his when his sin has been brought up not by his enemy but by his friend oh my gosh it sends him running sends him running so here we are we're all in this we're, we're kind of all of us are in this place where we're we see needs we see things going on 
And maybe because of the love of God that's been invested in us, we, we know somehow we're a part of the provision for people, but we don't know exactly how. But instead of looking this way and looking that way, we can look up. We, we can look. We know who the provision is. We know it's Jesus Christ. And so here, we'll, we'll go over to um, Second Corinthians 1.17. When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness or the things that I purpose? Do I purpose according to the flesh? This is Paul. That with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay. But it, as God is true, our word towards you was not yea and nay. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me, and Sylvanius and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. For he which established us with you in Christ, and thus and hath anointed us, is God. Now, we have this amazing provision in Jesus Christ. And the purpose who established, the person who established us in Jesus Christ is God Almighty Himself. And we don't have to look this way and that way. We can be, we can be yes people. The things that we do in the power of God are things that we will never be ashamed of. Ever. It's guaranteed. When we're operating in the Holy Spirit, when we're walking according to the word of truth, when we're filled with compassion, when, we're, when, we, when we are walking with God and in communion with God, nothing we ever do is something that we'll be ashamed of. And nothing we're ever ashamed of do we have to be ashamed of for very long. Because we confess it, and God's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then we're back in that yes place again. We're back in that yes place. We can say no to unrighteousness and we say yes to God. Yes, 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 yes. And we fill our lives with yes things. With real things. With black and white things. So that when we're looking over here in the corner of our lives, it's filled with truth. It's filled with... We know, we know the things that we've been taught, we grab onto them, we mix them with faith, and then we say, this is true now, and it will always be true. And I am going to incorporate this into my life. And of the many questions and gray areas and burdens, those things are out there, but they're not going to be the fundamentals of my life. They're not going to be the things I concentrate on. The things I concentrate are going to be on things of eternal value, on yes things. Yes, I am a son of God. Yes, I am a child of His. Yes, He will never leave me or forsake me. He will always be with me. No matter how badly I mess up, He's going to be there to clean me back up again and make me white as snow. When I reason together with Him, He'll cleanse me. 
whitest snow. I know that's true, and I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it on the mantle. I'm going to look at that. I'm going. The church. The church is an important part of my life. It will always be. Always be. I know it's true now, and I'm deciding it's always going to be. And so that is a thing that's there, and it's a yes thing. It's a pillar in my life. So when the questions and the gray areas come, Sunday I know where I'm going. There isn't a question about that. I know where I'm going. I'm going to go to church. And these things, and no one can impose these things upon us. They have to be our decision. And it's really neat. I think I... I think I am. Does anyone still open to that? Are you still open over there, Ben? Can you read? Um, it's at right at the end of the chapter there. It says, uh, um, we don't have dominion over you. Yes, okay. Paul, was a, he said, these things are... Not, I'm not going to be yes and no. I'm going to be yes because of the power of God because all the promises in Him are yes. And so I don't need to be a, have dominion over your faith. I can be a helper of your joy because my life is filled with pillars of truth and they are the things that I concentrate on. Those are the things I think about. And so because Paul is doing that, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to impose upon other people. He can be a helper of people's joy. And we can be a helper of people's joy. Because our faith, our lives are built upon foundational things, upon real things. The questions are always going to be there in every single stage of our life. When we're kids, when we're teenagers, when we're young adults, when we're if we get married, if we have children, if we get older, if we're retired, if we're elderly, if we're... You know, all of these things are going to be these questions and things and, and there's going to be a burden of people and there's going to be, where is our provision coming from? And all of these things are always going to be there. But you know what? God is always going to be faithful. And if we're abiding in the yes promises, then we'll lead a supernatural life where we're available to the supernatural provisions of God. And we'll see Him do wondrous things so that when we're in heaven, our lives won't have been mediocre. Questions about this and encompassed us and drew us aside out into nowhere land where our whole lives are gray and we don't know anymore what's true. We'll have gotten there and our lives will be filled with yes things because then, in heaven, when it's all over, it's all going to be yes. All of it will be yes. All the no's, we won't even remember them anymore. They'll be gone. They'll be washed away. So thank you, God. Thank you for the provisions you've given us in the Word of God. Thank you. Yeah, I remember now. How could I forget? I remember you're gracious and you're wonderful. And I have all these great things. God... I'm going in that now. I'm going to think about that. So God bless us. Bless the rest of the time this evening. And thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. Well, maybe you've never said yes to God before. Maybe you've never had a focus on the eternal things. You must know Jesus Christ. You must have a relationship with God in order to be able to say yes to Him. There's there's a decision to be made. At first, yes must be said to salvation, to what Jesus has done on the cross on your behalf. He died for your sin. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking unto Jesus. In Romans 10:13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever called upon his name? Have you ever asked him to be your savior? Have you ever come to the realization that he loved you so much that he came and died on a cross for you? Today may be your day. You can make that decision right now. You can say yes to God. It's the best decision you'll ever make, but only you can make it. Say yes to God today. <laughs> 